0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air. Dunedin Multiethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multiethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org. .nz, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts.
1: Hello. Nice day, everybody. Um, Good evening. This is Valerie, Women's Coordinator of DMEC. That's Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. And you're listening to DMEC on air, hosted by Otago Access Radio. That's O-A-R. Dot org.nz. You can look up the podcasts um, on the website, oar.org.nz. You can find out more about DMEC on dmec.org.nz Or look us up on Facebook, Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council Celebrating Diversity. This is our Tuesday, 6 o'clock show. And you're listening to me, Valerie. Nice to meet you. Well... Nice to talk while you listen. So today, I guess what I will kind of have a wee discussion around is about culture and personality. One of those really interesting things um, in the study of psychology is that there is a lot of attempts made to understand humans in terms of the way they think and feel and respond to life, who they are, and what makes people people. And one of the things that you will find, especially someone who lives um, cross-culturally, is that a lot of things that applies in one culture does not often re- apply in another culture or maybe understood differently or responded to differently. So it's always really important to understand um, what things mean for different people. And so one of the interesting things to look at, and I was looking at this paper, where they talk about the cultural influences on personality. And I thought it would be fun to have a wee discussion around that. Um, So personality, as we know, is shaped by uh, both genetic and environmental influences. So people often talking about um, nurture versus nature. And culture is transmitted through language and the modeling of behavior when the environment, when conditions permit humans to communicate through shared language by living in the same time period um, when they are sufficiently close in location to influence each other. (laughs) So the overarching model of cultural influences on personality that we're going to discuss is that though biological factors do have an important role, in shaping personality, they do not account for most of the variance in personality. In fact, ecology, among other factors, shapes the culture, which in turn shapes the socialization patterns, which shape some of the variants of personality. So, for example, um, there have been shown reliable links between socialization practices and personality. So both within and between cultures, when parents accept their children, the children become sociable, emotionally stable, have high self-esteem, feel self adequate, and have a positive worldview. When parents are rejecting of their children, when their children become adults, they are often hostile, unresponsive, unstable, um, immaturely dependent, and have impaired self-esteem and a difficult worldview negative worldview. Of course, historical factors and cultural diffusion also shapes culture, but limitations of space preclude this at the moment. So what is, on the other hand, culture is, well, a way to think about culture is that culture is to society what memory is to individuals. It includes um, what has worked in the experience of a society um, so that it's worth transmitting to future generations. So, for example, if you're making a toll and you find it's really helpful for the specific environment, say, for catching fish, if we live by the ocean, um, then it is adopted by more and more people and becomes an element of culture. Uh, Barco... is distinguish three times of culture, metaculture, evoke culture, and epidemiological culture. And the argument that people often take is that psychology underlies culture and society, and biological evolution underlies psychology. So the biology that has been common to all humans as a species that distinguishes it from other species results in a metaculture. Um, biology in different ecologies results in evoke culture. So, for example, hot climate leads to lighter clothing um, and domain-specific mechanisms that are triggered by local circumstances leading to within-group similarities and between-group differences. Um, can we call epidemiological culture? So, I guess... One thing that comes to mind when I read it is, for example, violence against women walking home in the dark. And so what happens is circumstances of unsafe, not safeness or dangerous situations for women result in within group similarities between women and between group differences between men and women. So, elements of culture are shared, a kind of shared standard operating procedures. Unstated assumptions, tools, norms, values, habits about um, the environment, and such. Because perception and cognition depend on the information that is taken from the environment and are fundamental psychological processes, this culturally influenced sampling of information is particularly interesting. So cultures develop conventions for sampling information and determine how important that information that they've taken from the environment. For example, it's stated that people in hierarchical cultures are more likely to sample clues about hierarchy than clues about aesthetics. Um, And another example is people in individualistic cultures such as North and Western Europe and North America Sample with high probability elements of personal self. I am busy, I'm kind. Whereas people from collectivistic cultures, such as those of Asia, Africa, and South America, tend to sample mostly elements of the collective self. My family thinks I'm too busy, my co workers think I'm kind. So, personality is often defined as an individual's characteristic pattern of thought, emotion, and behavior. Um, together with psychological mechanisms behind those patterns. Um, And so characteristic sampling of that information in the environment, as we mentioned earlier, um, which corresponds to the sampling that occurs in different cultures, can be one of the basis of human or people differences in personality. Generally, they determine the individual's unique adjustments to the world. There are many theories that, um, that are used when studying the relationship between culture and psychology. The most important are the indigenous cultural and cross cultural perspective. The difficulties is that the differences in perspectives have implications for the methods used in studying personality. For example, of course, um, personality tests developed in one culture and translated for use in other cultures, are likely to be insensitive to cultural differences and to produce distorted results. And so cultural and indigenous psychologists do not use these tests. They use mostly ethnographic methods. And cross-cultural psychologists attempt to measure the same construct equivalently in each culture with culturally sensitive methods. So the first most interesting thing um, to do with culture is ecology. There is a lot of interesting things, um, correlation and uh, and or associate well association. We're not sure about causation um, between uh, ecology to culture. So ecology, such as the terrain, the climate, the flora and fauna, natural resources, they're often linked to the maintenance system and to subjective culture. So maintenance system means um, settlement patterns, social structures, means of production. So, for example, it's noted that large mountains and wide seas reduce the probability of cultural diffusion. Thus, um, how similar or the homogeneity of relatively isolated cultures, so for example, Japan versus China, is likely to be high. Homogeneity makes a culture tight. That is, its members have many rules and norms about behavior and have low tolerance for those who deviate, even in minor ways, from norms. In tight cultures, such as Singapore, adolescents conform to the societal norms and do not engage in risk behaviors, such as experimenting with alcohol, tobacco, physical violence, or sexual intercourse. Note that this paper was written in 1995. Um, In loose cultures, i.e., Um, with more deviations from the norm, um, people are more likely to react to deviations from normative behavior by thinking it doesn't quite matter. Another interesting ecological variable is whether the resources that a population needs for survival have high or low mobility. So high mobility is like sheep and cow, things that can move, and low mobility are like trees and plants, farms. Well... Plant farms. <laughs> um, so culture where wealth is easily movable develop a culture of honor in which people are socialized to be fierce and to react aggressively to insults so that strangers will be discouraged from stealing their movable goats. So this paper in 1996 shows that a culture of honor is more common in the south than in the northern regions of the United States. Um, another paper also compared students from the north, um, showed that between students of the North and South, students from the South were more easily provoked and became more aggressive when verbally insulted. Um, Aside from goods and resources, climate can also influence culture. So, for example, there's a lot of papers that argued before that temperature is related to violence. Data from 136 countries show a pattern with Violence very low in cold climates like Finland and very high in warm climates. Here it says Pakistan and moderately high in extremely hot climates, Malaysia. In warm climates, it says the survival of offspring is possible even without the significant investment of fathers. This frees men, this is the theory, this frees men to sire children with multiple mates and leads to greater competition among men, and ultimately to, well, quote-unquote, masculine cultures, where men are more dominant, assertive, and tough. Um, again, like I said, this is the studies, and it's an interesting discussion, actually. Um, the cultures that emerge in different parts of the world often reflect the availability of flora, fauna, and other resources, As well as historical factors such as migration, wars, revolutions, and inventions. There is little inequality in hunting and gathering cultures because food or resources cannot be preserved for a long time, so it's not possible for one group to accumulate resources. The greatest inequality is in societies where inventors are financially successful and become differentiated from their peers. The maintenance system, for example, food gathering, agriculture, manufacturing, services, is linked to cultural syndromes, where shared elements, like shared elements of subjective culture, such as attitudes, norms, and values that are organized around a theme. So, for example, among hunters, individual action is often more valuable than collective action, whereas among agricultural people, collective action um, is often extremely valued. And the result is that hunting cultures are more individualist than farming cultures. And farming cultures are more conforming than hunting cultures, an attribute that is associated with collectivism. When we study culture, there are a few dimensions that people often consider. Um, complexity, tightness, collectivism, individualism, um, and such. Where, although I do see Oh, well, I suppose tightness does mean how similar or how different people are. As we talked about earlier, tightness it kind of refers to homogeneity, right? So anyway, cultures differ, of course, in complexity. The most contrast is found between hunters-gatherers and information societies. So, for example, the Gross National... Product per capita, although not sufficient, is one index of cultural complexity. Another is um, includes the percent of the population that is urban, the size of cities, personal computers per capita. Tightness. In tight cultures, norms are imposed tightly. In loose cultures, deviations from norms is tolerated. Such tolerance is found in relatively heterogeneous societies where people do not depend on each other as much, and where population density is low. So it is proposed, there's a hypothesis then that uh, proposes that collectivism is high in cultures that are simple and tight. Um, so in collectivistic cultures, people are interdependent with their in-groups, their family, tribe, their nation. They give priority to the goals of their groups, shape their behavior primarily on the basis of in-group norms and behave in a communal way. There are many kinds of collectivistic cultures. One important distinction is between vertical and horizontal collectivistic cultures. So vertical cultures are traditionalist and they emphasize in-group cohesion, respect for in-group norms and the directives of authorities. So for example, vertical Collectivism is correlated with right-wing authoritarianism and the tendency to be submissive to authority and to endorse conventionalism. So it's suggested here that um, both vertical collectivism and right-wing authoritarianism correlate positively with age and religiousness and negatively with education and exposure to diverse persons whereas horizontal collectivistic cultures emphasize empathy, sociability, and cooperation. Um, Another variation of collectivism is found between genders. Um, So, for example, male collectivism is derived from group membership. I am American, whereas female collectivism is derived from specific relationship. So I am Amanda's best friend. A defining character of people in collectivistic culture is their notable concern with relationships. So, for example, uh, collectivists in conflict situations are primarily concerned with maintaining relationships with others, whereas individualists are primarily concerned with achieving justice. Thus, collectivists prefer methods of conflict resolution that do not destroy relationships, whereas individualists are willing to go to court to settle disputes. At the cultural level of analysis, um, individualism is the other pole of collectivism. So in vertical individualist cultures, um, competitiveness is high and one must be the best in order to climb the hierarchy. In horizontal individualist cultures, um, hierarchical differentiation is de-emphasized and the emphasis is on self-reliance, independence from others and uniqueness. So, collectivism and individualism are broader terms than interdependence versus independence, as used in some um, studies. Um, and it's said that an important goal of collectivists is to fulfill their duties and obligations. So, it's pointed out that collectivists usually have fewer in-groups, whereas individualists have many. Thus, the social obligations collectivists are quite focused, whereas those of individualists are fluid and may be converted to obligations to the larger society than, rather than, specific, than to specific in-groups. So people in collectivistic cultures often see the environment as more or less fixed. Um, so stable norms, obligations, duties, and themselves as changeable and ready to fit in. People in individualist cultures tend to see themselves as more or less stable, such as attitudes, personalities, and rights, and the environment as changeable. So if they do not like the job, they change jobs. So a paper, for example, claimed that East Asians make dispositional attributions, see traits as quite malleable, whereas Western individualists sample see traits as fixed. Um, so, furthermore, um, East Asians, according to this paper, have a higher tolerance for contradictions than do Americans, and East Asians are far less surprised than Americans when they are presented with inconsistencies, such as a plausible hypothesis that was not supported. Um, it was suggested from the study that the logical thinking of Western sample have disadvantages and advantages. It has advantages. In the development of science, whereas the more holistic thinking of Eastern samples have advantages for the maintenance of interpersonal order and harmony within the in group. When we talk about the motivation, um, the greater the complexity and hence individualism, the more people desire to have many choices and to be unique. A paper used several methods to show that in some cultures, people are highly motivated to be unique, whereas in others, people prefer to be like everyone else. Um, They found that children of European-American backgrounds were more motivated when they had a choice and showed less motivation when authorities or peers made the choice for them. Conversely, Asian-American children were less motivated when given a personal choice, whereas having choices made for them by trusted authority figures and peers, actually produce the highest levels of intrinsic motivation and performance. So motivation in individualistic cultures increases following success. In collectivist culture, it increases following failure because the individual focuses on how to change the self and improve the fit between self and the demands of the societal environment. This is kind of fascinating, but quite true. I remember often commenting to people that it's weird that um, when I'm provided with positive reinforcement or compliments, I start slacking off and not do very well. However, on the other hand, if I'm in a state of receiving consistent negative feedback and challenges, I end up um, improving myself and doing a lot better, which is good for when a person is in, in an unstable environment. However, difficult for when trying to maintain a specific kind of way of working. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so it looks like our time is up and we're going to stop here. It's an interesting look at how culture influences our personality and interesting that the stability of personality or personality traits, as we know or understand in psychology, as we learn, I learn it in Um, from a more Western culture, that it actually isn't as stable as we think. And the stability of personality traits sometimes depends on cultural norms or what one perceives um, should be changeable. So, yeah. Fascinating. Anyway, you're listening to Valerie, um, Women's Coordinator for DMEC, that's the Native Multi-Ethnic Council, you're listening to DMEC on air, hosted by Otago Access Radio, that's OAR. You can listen to a podcast at oar.org.nz and look DMEC up on dmec.org.nz or look uh, dmec up on the Facebook, the Multi Ethnic Council Celebrating Diversity. Have a good evening. Dunedin
0: Multi-Ethnic Council on Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC on Air, 6pm Tuesdays, with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts.